talk to you about a characteristic a little bit that I've learned about God in some way and I'm just always interested in who God is. Who is God? Well, Paul said his life's goal, Philippians 3.10, was that I may know him. That's his goal, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be made conformable unto his death. Of course, I preached on that a week or so ago on they broke the legs of the thieves and try to give you another perspective of God that maybe you don't hear much about. Today I want to give you another perspective of God. And uh, the, the, let's make sure I get this title right. The title is, It's the Nature of God to Change You. God in His very nature is a changer. He wants to change you. The birth of Jesus Christ was about radical change. It wasn't going to be a little change. When Jesus came, there was going to be a paradigm shift. I'm talking about a paradigm shift is like when Ford came up with the combustion engine and a, a motor, motorized vehicle was made. That was in the early 1900s, I believe. Maybe even 1800s, late 1800s. And uh, everybody that was making um, buggies for horses probably should have just quit right at that time. Because there was going to be, there was a paradigm shift. That's not, it doesn't happen often. Uh, when Edison invented or figured out, uh, after over a thousand failures, figured out that carbon was the best element for a light bulb, and they, had, they could control electricity, that was a paradigm shift. Uh, things really changed, didn't they? I mean, man, electricity has changed things. Uh, the combustion engine has changed things, and the automobile has changed things. And so when Jesus Christ, unbeknown to the people, I mean, so subtle, he comes into a little village of a few thousand people. That's all Bethlehem was, just a, just a nothing, a little village. About five miles outside, standing on the Mount of Olives, you can see Bethlehem five miles away. And it was, it's, today it's still a small place. And so they, they had uh, been driven out of there, of course, by King Herod, you know the story, and went to Egypt for a while. And, and God told them you can go back home, but you can't go back to Bethlehem. You're going to have to go to a place called Nazareth. Of course, Nazareth had a bad reputation. They used to say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Amen. That's like saying, can any, anything good come out of Chicago? My whole family is from Chicago area originally. But uh, let me read you a verse. These are Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 26, verse 18. I'm just going to read you one verse and go on from there. Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul is a raving maniac. He's, against, he's a zealot. He's against Christianity as much as you can be against it. He thought it was a lie, a hoax a fake, a fraud, and it was uh, trying to destroy Judaism. Uh, he misunderstood Jesus and who he was and where he was from, but Jesus had a plan for Paul. He doesn't have a plan like that for you and me often, but rare, rare is it when God does what he did to Paul, which was appeared to him. 
knocked him down, appeared to him, and told him what his mission was going to be in life from that point on, and, and struck him with blindness for three days, too. It was amazing. It'd be humble to be blind instantly all of a sudden. And so Paul got it. He got it. Well, Jesus said, here's what I want you to do, Paul. Here's the verse, verse 18. He said, I want you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's a mouthful. That's big. For you know who the God of this world is, right? Satan is called in the Bible the God of this world. Jesus Christ is not the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. Jesus Christ doesn't produce what you see going on out in the streets. Uh, Jesus Christ doesn't produce the horror that you see going on in the world today. This is the God of this world is Satan. This is his world. This is his product. And if I was you, I wouldn't want to live in his world forever. But if you don't trust Jesus Christ, your Savior, and get a new father, he's your father. Because Jesus said in 844, you're your father the devil, unless your father you're doing, on and on. You're going to end up with him because he's going to be cast in a place called the lake of fire. And you're going to follow him there. And, and if you think this world's horrible, and it can be, you ain't seen nothing yet till you get cast in a place called the lake of fire where the worm died not. You people afraid of snakes. Oh, my, that'd be a bad place for you. So he says to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. That, that, woo, that, why? Why do all that? That they may receive forgiveness of sins, plural. All of us need forgiveness of sins. There is not one righteous among you here today. No, not one. And he says, once you receive the forgiveness of sins, which is by faith in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, simple childlike faith, easy to do, but you got to do it with all your heart. You got to mean what you say and say what you mean. God's not mocked. He's not conned. You don't, you don't get saved like an insurance policy and put it up on the shelf and then go live your own life. What I'm trying to tell you by what I'm going to say today, if I get to do this, is I want to tell you that God, if you're born from above, you're not going to be the same after it happens. You're not going to want to go out and do your own thing. You may want to, but you're not going to because you're different. You're changed. He says they're going to receive inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus is speaking by faith in me, in other words. So it says to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, they will receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he said. Now we're going to go off on that. You know, the liberals say we don't need change. The moderates say we only need to change slightly. But a fundamentalist says, I need radical change. What makes you a fundamentalist is that you realize that you need, to be, you need to be washed by the blood of Christ from inside out. You don't need just a little makeup on the outside um, like, like uh, Tammy Faye. But God's a consuming fire. These are things I looked up in the Bible. I'm not making this up. This is really in the Bible. God's a consuming fire. The Bible says he's a jealous God. He's a merciful God. The Bible says he's a refuge, a judge, 
our sun and shield. He's holy. He's righteous. He's able. He's true. He's a spirit. He's impartial. Uh, he's faithful. He's one. He's good. He's light. And he's love. Just to give you something about who God is. But something that may not be found in a direct statement in the Bible, and I've never found it to be a direct statement, is I'm going to say today that God is a changer. It is his nature to change us. He wants to change things from darkness and you from darkness to light. When Jesus passes by, things change. I like that old song years and years ago in the late 60s, when Jesus passed by, when Jesus passed by, oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. I can't explain it, and I cannot tell you why, but oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. And you know, I'm not on the special music list, so I just intruded on it. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me to sing, so I just go for it. When, when Jesus passes by, blindness is changed to sight. If you don't believe it, ask Bartimaeus. When Jesus passes by, sickness is changed to health. If you don't believe it, ask the nine lepers. When Jesus passes by, a storm is changed to calm. Ask the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus passes by, leanness is changed to plenty. Ask those folks in the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. When Jesus passes by, fear is changed to peace. Ask the Gadarene maniac if that's not so. When Jesus passes by, pride is changed to humility. Ask Peter when he says, what manner of man is this? We're, we're, we're not worthy to be around you. And when Jesus passes by, brother, tears are changed to joy. Ask the, ask the widow of Nain and when her son was resurrected on the way to the graveyard. Boy, would I love to have been there. I can use a little joy, man. Woo-wee! I remember a good one. He, when he got up out of that thing, I mean, it had a spell. That, was, that would be better than Miami beating the Patriots. And there's not much better than that. All you patriot fans. When Jesus passes by, pain has changed to pleasure. Ask the woman in Capernaum who was bound 18 years by Satan. Now, you know, I've suffered some trouble. I had migraines for 25 years. I had to go for 25. I've had to go, and I still have it, 25 years. I had this polycythemia vera, whatever that is, for 30, 25, 30 years. I've been married 48 years. I mean, now, wait a minute. That's not supposed to be on that list. That's how I'm happy. It bled over. I know some trouble. I know some trouble. I'm not getting out of this scot-free. Uh, it's a good teacher. And uh, if, if, when Jesus passes by, dejection and I mean some dejection, despondency turns to rejoicing. If you don't believe it, ask Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus walked out of that tomb. And he said, release him and let him go. Oh, I like that. I, I, do you ever once in a while when you get down, just read them and go, woohoo, by your, yeah, be by yourself. People think you're crazy. Or they know you are. I don't 
don't believe you can hang around the things of God, the people of God, the book of God, and the spirit of God without it changing you. And I don't care where you came from. I don't care how bad or what depths of sin you've ever been in. Jesus can change you from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Woo! Now, when you meet Jesus, you're either going to get harder or softer. Some people, when they meet Jesus, they get worse. They get harder. They get meaner. I have a cousin who grew up in a Christian home and about my age, and I had to block him on Facebook. That's, that's, about, as, that's about as mean as you can get. I blocked you on Facebook. I've only got 30 people with him. I mean, he got calling me names and calling me bad things. And I kept saying, quit calling me names. Because liberals don't have an argument. They just got names they call you. That was free. (laughs) But when he met Jesus, he got harder. He didn't get softer. I met Jesus and he broke me. I fell upon the stone. When he met Jesus, the stone fell upon him and ground him to powder. What a different reaction that is. But brother, I can guarantee you this. When you meet Jesus, you will not stay the same. It will not be status quo. 1 Peter 2.9 says, Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You born again Christians in this auditorium, you are called by God himself to be different than the world. Sanctification is, It's not a bunch of rules. It's the very nature of God boiling out of you like rivers of living water that will come out of you, brother. You don't have to say, oh, I got to go to church because I'm a Christian. You say, I get to go to church today because I'm born from above. I get to sing the songs of Zion because I'm saved. I get to read my Bible this year again. You're children of light, children of the day, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. We cannot possibly stay in darkness for very long as a born-again believer. John 12, 46, Jesus' words, I'm the light of the world. That whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Why? Because the very nature of God, the Holy Spirit is in you. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells? Those are the rudimentary things of salvation. God's come. You're saved. You have communication. The Spirit of God testifies with your spirit that you're His. You read the Word of God and you understand it. You know, the world reads the Word of God. They get... A hundred different cults out of it. But they don't understand it. Boy, the Bible says Isaiah 9, 2, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. Brother, once you've seen the light, you go for it. You leave every care behind, every trouble, every weight, every sin, every hindrance, any baggage that you may have, all the, the depressions and despondencies and the fears, the darkness, and you go for the light. It doesn't mean you don't have those things, but you're going for the light. He changes you from bondage into liberty. 
Romans 8, 15, for we have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Abba, Father. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to captives. It's to sinners. It's to people in bondage. It's not to the self-righteous. What was Jesus' attitude to the self-righteous? Matthew 23. Read it. Jesus, maybe the hardest preacher, hardest sermon I have ever read. And I've read lots and lots of sermons. I've listened to even more sermons. But I tell you, the hardest words I ever heard anybody speak to anybody is Matthew chapter 23 to the most religious people in the world, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the lawyers. And he called them names. He even started name calling them a little bit. Scorpions, serpents. Who hath warned thee from the, from the damnation that's coming? But I'll tell you what, Jesus, he, he will change you. He'll free you. That's why we have RU here. We want people to be free. He changes conflict into peace. Jesus will have you go in peace, live in peace, and sow in peace. Peace, peace in the truest sense of the word. John 14 27 says, peace I have, I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart, heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You say, times are wild. You get on the internet, start reading the gloom and doom people. Everything's going to crash. The money's going to go. The food's going. The, the, the water's going to come up. The, the, the meteor's going to hit the earth. Or gonna, weather's going to be, in, 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 and we're all going to die. But you know what? They can't tell you what's going to happen after death. Or I'm talking to you about what's going to happen after this. Is it a mystery to you that you're going to die? If it is, talk to me. I can help you out. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here, brother. Nobody in this room will be here alive 100 years from now. You'll say, well, I got grandparents who lived 104, but you ain't going to. You're eating way too many preservatives to live that long. <laughs> he changes ashes into beauty. I love God, man. He changes ashes into beauty. I was thinking, I've been doing a lot of, you know, th I've been doing a lot of thinking. It's dangerous. My little woman and I, we started so bad. So I met her 16 years old. And, uh, Unsafe family, you know, they drank, smoked at the house. I went in to meet her dad. He offered me a cigarette and some wine. I was backslid, terrible, you know. I took both of them. And uh, just started so bad. Unworthy I am of the least of his favor. Why, well, God should have killed me. But God's merciful. If you'll repent... And honestly repent. He'll, he'll help you. He'll come to your aid. Read the book of Ezekiel if you don't believe it. He calls out to him and says, if you'll come to me and repent, I'll give you life. And oh, what life we've had. Oh, what life we've had. Isaiah 61, 3 says, he says, to appoint unto them a mountain that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, an oil of joy for mourning, 
a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'm one of those trees. Are you one? I think of, a, of an illustration by an old preacher in the 1800s, Matthew Simpson. He visited the great buildings and architectures in Europe, and there are some phenomenal things over there. He saw mosaics. How many here have seen mosaics in Europe? Raise your hand. The rest of you, you have no idea. <laughs> but you're just going to have to believe me. But I'll be verified by all these other people. There's great mosaics. I saw them in Israel, too. And uh, amazing, the pictures that they would make out of those mosaics. And those mosaics are made up of stone, glass, metal, and shell, all put together. Simpson wrote, now I'm going to read it so I get it exactly right. Here's what he said. He said, the artist takes these little pieces and polishing and arranging them, he forms them into a grand and beautiful picture. Each individual part of the picture may be a little worthless piece of glass or a marble or a piece of shell, but with each in its place, under the master's hand, the whole constitutes a beautiful work of art. That's you and me. I'm just a worthless piece of glass. I can't see the big picture, neither can you. Only God sees the big picture. He has, you have to come to him by childlike faith and say, at 18 years old, I bowed my knee before him and my heart, and I said, I give you my life. I give you what potential I have. But really, truthfully, I'm just a worthless piece of glass. What could you do with me? And I still don't see the big picture. But someday, by the grace of God, I'm going to be able to see that I was part of the kingdom of God. I was part of the beauty. The artistic creation of God Almighty. You're pieces of it. If you let him. If you let God use you. You don't have to be afraid of what God wants you to do. You don't have to be afraid of that. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 14, 2 to his people, he said, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. A chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. And I've been pastoring for a while, and I can tell you amen to that. God's people are peculiar people. With a lot of peculiar tastes. Well, it's hard to decorate an auditorium without splitting the church. God's, God's changed us from darkness to light, from bondage to liberty, from conflict to peace, from ashes to beauty. And if I may say, next to last which are frivolous words of a preacher. He changes us from heaviness to praise. You know, the holiday season is some of the hardest times on some folks. It's some of the saddest times of the whole year. You say, well, I'm happy. I'm rejoicing. Christ is born. But not if you lost a loved one or a husband or a wife or a child at this time of year, and they're not there to celebrate with you anymore. And you know most of you. You know, I don't know about you, but my people, they're, all, they're also all dead. In fact, they are all dead. I miss them. I miss them. But I'm not going to miss them for long. Most of them were saved. And so it can be a time of heaviness. I think of 1 Peter 1, 6 where it says, Wherein you greatly rejoice that though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations or trials. 
that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor to the glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love. I haven't seen Jesus, but I love him. And you know what he said about the people that love him without seeing him? He said, he said to old Thomas, he said, more blessed are they that believe and have not seen than you, Thomas, and all the rest of the disciples who have seen and believed. Do you realize you're more blessed than the disciples today? You, don't you ever, you ever, you ever kind of in your mind say, wouldn't I love to have been there to see him say, peace be still? Wouldn't I love to have been there to say, Lazarus, come forth? Wouldn't I love to have been there to see him feed the 5,000 and hand out the fishes and the pieces of bread? Wouldn't, but the truth of the matter is, you're more blessed because you believed without seeing. And brother, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that's what you've done and that's what I've done. What's crazy about this passage in 1 Peter... He said, the two things he puts together normally never go together. You greatly rejoice, though you're in heaviness and hard trials. Now, people in heaviness and hard trials usually are not associating great rejoicing. But you know what's wild about the Christian? Is you can be, have joy unspeakable and full of glory in the midst of the hardest trial. And in the midst of the heaviness that that trial will bring on you, there's some sort of an inside peace that says, everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house. Oh, everything's all right in my Father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. There's a voice that says, it won't be long, pilgrim. It won't be long. Oh, I want to sing. I'm afraid I'm going to use up all my markers. <laughs> It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Like the happy pilgrim who's arrived on that shore. Forgot all the waves tossed his ship. When you see Jesus smile, hear him say, well done, my child. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Though now you be in heaviness through manifold trials, it will eventually be worth it all when we see Jesus. There's just songs written all around that, isn't there? The last, this is the last point. He changes us from hell to heaven. I save the last for best. Amen. Save the, save the best cookies for the last. The Bible says a verse that, that scares me. There's a lot of verses that scare me in the Bible. One of them is Proverbs 7, 27, talking about the strange woman, the whorish woman, the sensual woman. For a man, this is, this is fearsome. He says her house is on the way to hell. And the going down in the chambers of death. One prayer that I've prayed my whole save life is that God would save me from the strange woman. Uh, our family has a propensity for fornication and immorality. 
And I said, God, whatever happens, don't let me go down that way. And he says, oh, son, that's a good request. That's a good request. I'll save you from her. But you stick close to me. I think of John 5, 29, where it says, and he talks about, and shall come forth. Jesus' words, by the way, they'd have done good under the resurrection of life. They'd have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Did you know there's two resurrections? Resurrection of damnation, resurrection. Everybody that ever took a breath and was allowed to live is going to have a resurrection. The question is this morning is which resurrection are you going to be part of? The resurrection of damnation or the resurrection of life? These are Jesus' words. He should have known, right? God manifests in the flesh. And what I'm here to do, what I'm here as a mouthpiece for God today is say, don't, don't, don't go the way of the resurrection. Don't go down to the resurrection of damnation. If you ignore the the plan of salvation, you'll eventually find yourself at the resurrection of damnation. If you willfully reject the plan of salvation, you'll find yourself in the resurrection of damnation. If you try to if you try to outsmart God on it and, and sow your wild oats, say, I'm going to get saved later in life, you're going to find yourself with the resurrection of damnation. But if you'll simply humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, I'm a sinner unable to save myself by any amount of means of good works, and I believe Jesus, and it was who he said he was. I believe he came. He hung on that old rugged cross. He shed his blood. He really died. He was really resurrected uh, and, and conquered death and conquered the devil and conquered sin and now offers salvation as a free gift. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And just simply say, Jesus, that's for me, I want it. God changes you from darkness to light. He wants to change you from bondage to liberty. He wants to change you from conflict to peace. He wants to change you from ashes to beauty. He wants to change you from heaviness to praise. And he wants to change you, most of all, from hell to heaven. It's not God's will that any should perish. No. If, if somebody and those people that go to hell will not be able to point a finger at God and say, it's your fault. People come to me and say, well, has anybody talked to you? And nobody's ever talked to me about Jesus. How many times on a TV have you switched channels when an evangelist came on? What was that? Was God trying to reach you? How many have picked a gospel track up in a six-pack of Budweiser or anything else you want to buy. And, and, you know, we've passed out three million tracks the last 16 years, so we, our tracks are everywhere. And you picked up one of them little gospel tracks, threw it down, said, I don't need that. How many times, how many times has somebody tried to bring the subject of God up and you've, you've killed it? I don't want to hear about it. My neighbor, my neighbor, down the road from me, Millionaire. He used to tell me, I'm a millionaire. He died December 8th on the way back from vacation at the airport. I can understand dying at the airport. I really can. But he died absolutely no notice. No notice. 
See, God doesn't owe you notice. This is your notice. When he runs salvation by and when Jesus comes by, now's the time, today's the day. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Today is the day, now is the time for salvation. Hmm? I can say this. Don't do it for your mom. Don't do it for your dad. Don't do it for your uncle, your aunt. Don't do it for me, but do it for yourself. Trust Christ, your personal Savior. Honestly repent of your sin. You say, I've seen some hypocritical deacons. I've seen some hypocritical preachers. I've seen some hypocritical evangelists. You've seen all of that, no doubt. My wife worked 40 some, I think it was 44 years in banking. She has passed a lot of money through her little hands. And she, when somebody came and bought something for me, and they gave me 30 $100 bills. Now, one of the favorite bills to be counterfeited is a $100 bill. That's one of the favorite bills people like to counterfeit. Makes sense, right? You don't counterfeit $1 bills. So they counterfeit 100 and they're really good. They're good with the printing that we have today and digitizing we have today and the paper, they, can either, they say they can even get the right paper. Um, but my wife, I, I, the, the guy gave me a wad of bills this big around, and I just took the wad of bills and gave them to my wife. And she went, she said, Bill, they're all good. How did she know that? She didn't know that because she had been taught how to, discover a counterfeit. She knew that because she'd been taught how to discover what was true. And when a counterfeit comes by, you feel it because they just don't feel like the truth. You know? I believe the Holy Spirit's here right now telling you this is the truth. You may have heard Jehovah's Witness. You may have heard the Mormons. You may have heard all kinds of cults. You may have been from all kinds of backgrounds, but the Holy Spirit of God through all the tribes and the tongues and the kindred and the nations, whispers into the ears and says, when they hear the gospel, this is the truth. And when you stand before Jesus someday, eyeball to eyeball, and you will, whether the great white throne judgment or at the beam of seat, you're going to stand before him. You're going to know he's the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to bow on your knees and say, Jesus, your Lord. Now, those people, some of those people are going to be cast in the lake of fire. Why? They're going to have to answer for their own sin. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. You come to Christ. Make it today. After the service, during the service, whatever the time, don't let anything stop you. If you, if you say, I say to you, brother, I do know you're saved. You say, well, I, I think I'm saved. You're, you're not saved. Let me just help you. You're, you're not saved. You say, well, preacher, I think I'm saved. No, you're not saved. Well, my priest told me I was saved. You're not saved. Well, my religion told me I was saved. You're not saved. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. That is God. You know you're saved. These things have been written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't think something like salvation will be like, I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I may be saved. Brother, God takes the doubt away. He comes in, and if I may end with this statement, he'll change everything about you into whose image? His. His. Because he's righteous. He's holy. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. We get changed into his image. Father, help us 
this morning. May the preached word do that which is miraculous and do that which you've called it to do. Thank you for allowing me one more time to lift Jesus up before folks. If there's somebody in here without Christ this morning, may they say, I'm not going to go one more day in jeopardy. I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. I want to, we'd love to be able to help you do that. We're going to have a little couple verses of a song. If you'd like to come up, while we're, everybody's singing, many of us have done this, you come up forward. We don't make it easy on you. We don't make it easy on you. It wasn't easy on Jesus. If you want something easy, something that doesn't, isn't worth much, you're not going to find it in Christ. Christ is worthy your embarrassment. Christ is worthy you being broken. Why don't you come and let us show you the gospel the way it was shown to us. You'll not be under any obligation. You'll not be a part of the church. You're not going to be baptized today. You're not going to be a member of Gospel Baptist Church today. But you sure can become a child of God today. You sure can be entered into the kingdom of God today. Your name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life today. Why don't you come in a moment? If you don't do it then, do it afterward, but don't leave the premises because I can tell you the devil's out there waiting for you to move. And he, the Bible says he's like a bird that comes in, snatches the seed away that's been planted right now. Father, we pray that you'd overcome darkness one more time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, sing a couple. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.